What is up, everybody? It is the Make It Happen podcast. Today, I have an awesome guest. And this one is good. The title says it all, Strength and Vulnerability. Mitch, I'm super proud of um, you know who he's become while I've been here. It's been great to see him um, really be public with what he's going through and be a, a support to other guys, even if they don't reach out to him, just knowing that, you know, you're not alone in whatever you're going through. Um, and this is going to be a little bit more of a, you know, he starts off pretty aggressive. For those of you who don't know, AA, when he says AA or I refer to AA, that's yeah, Alcoholics Anonymous. So um, I think that gives you a little bit of an intro of, 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 you know, what Mitch has gone through. And I just think it's so cool. He has the courage to, you know, share this on this platform and with the team which he did um, a month and a bit ago. And it really opened our eyes. You know, we didn't know that he was going through this and it was just really cool. So I said, Mitch, get on here. Let's, you know, I want to, and you know, Mitch has had a lot of success too. He was freshman All-American. Uh, his, his freshman year, he was, uh, been all, he's been all-conference. Uh, last year, he had um, 50 total tackles, uh, and 22 solo, five and a half sacks. So he's a, he, he's a baller here at Eastern. Um, and freaking pushes weight in the weight room. Holy smokes, he attacks that squat rack. But um, aside from that, I'm more proud of, um, you know, him stepping outside of himself and, you know, being um, kind of honest with, you know, everything that he's going through and really just wanting wanting you guys to hear his story so that you can, you can hopefully take something from it and remember you're not alone in whatever you're going through. And like I said, you know, and I've said with, with other things in this podcast, it's going to be a lot of football sports stuff, but this applies to anybody and everybody. Just think about how this applies to your life and what you can take from it to get better. So once again, this, I am Nolan Ulm and this is Mitchell Johnson on the Make It Happen podcast. Enjoy. But yeah, I'm here with Mitch Johnson, uh, DN here at Eastern Washington. We've played together for two years now. Um, so Mitch, you can go ahead and, you know, talk about you know, where you're from and just kind of who you are. Yeah, so uh, like Nolan said, I'm Mitchell Johnson. Uh, I'm going on my sixth year here at Eastern. Played defensive end. Um, I'm from Portland, Oregon originally, a little bit outside Portland. And, uh, yeah, you know, I I love being in Cheney. I've dealt with a lot of different issues. And I know uh, <laughs> Nolan invited me on here to kind of talk about it, so – um, Easter has been a good place for me, but I've also experienced a lot of uh, hardships in my process while being here. And football has been a way for me to either have my issues be uh, magnified or kind of stuffed down. So for people who don't know, I'm seven months sober and uh, I dealt with some alcoholism. Uh, probably realistically when I first got to Eastern, I started kind of struggling with my uh, relationship with alcohol and it uh, took me a while to realize that my personality, who I was, was not suited well with the relationship I had with alcohol. And, uh, you know, playing football, it was hard to balance the life of drinking every day and having to work out as well. And uh, the interesting part behind it is I would, you know, I've been here a long time and I've played a lot of football and I've had some decent success. And, uh, you know, 2018, my freshman season, I was a uh, second team all-conference as a freshman, or yeah, second team all-conference as a freshman, and first team freshman All-American, and on my high horse, just feeling like I got the world by its balls, pretty much, and you know, 2019, I got complacent, and 
kind of had it figured out. I thought preseason first team all conference as a sophomore. Uh, think maybe even preseason all American. I'm not really sure. I can't remember that far back, but you know, preseason this, preseason that, and I just kind of got lazy. Kind of forgot how to grind, party too much, um, lost focus on who I was. Kind of lost my identity for a while, and. That 29 season just kicked me in the mouth. And, uh, you know, I went from having a six-sack season as a freshman playing 40 plays, 60 plays a game, two picks, like 12 TFLs. I mean, pretty good stats as a freshman to one-and-a-half sacks, few tackles, <laughs> few TFLs. I mean, I I went from, you know – top like you know pretty good in my conference and you know only freshmen getting recognized on this all-conference team to an absolute nobody I fell off and I think having a bad season like that you know I kind of lost who I was I you know I questioned football the, the second something got hard I was like oh shit well who the fuck am I apparently I don't got football if I, if I didn't get a football then what am I gonna do and I think my mentals you know I just in the process of partying, in the process of being complacent, of being lazy, I think I just kind of lost myself. And, uh, you know, I just really started struggling with finding who I was. I struggled with what my why was, what motivated me, and uh, kind of led me down a bad rabbit hole. And I started pushing away a lot of people I cared about. I stopped focusing on relationships, but rather everything was about myself. You know, my goal for that next season, first team all-conference, I, I have to be or, or I suck. You know, I, I put the priorities of football and the accolades over the relationships I was building here and the relationships of the people I love the most. And so basically I just continued to push people away. And I started, you know, pushing away people that I love the most and I lost them. And it led me just down a spiral of depression. And I, I dealt with mental health issues for a long time before I recognized that I needed help. And it probably took me a half gallon of vodka and crying in my room to realize I probably need to go see somebody. And uh, so I started going to see a therapist. Uh, this was a spring, so COVID hit, drinking, depressed, not feeling good. Finally just kind of hit a cracking point of like, all right, I need to get help. And uh, talked to my parents, talked to my coach that was here at the time and went to started seeing a therapist during our our uh, spring season and something that I learned about therapy that is you get what you put into it and I did not put anything into it this was not at the like at the high of my drinking so like I wasn't coping with alcohol as much at, during the time but I was still drinking more probably more than I should especially where my mental state was but you know I was balancing football uh, struggling with mentals and trying to figure out how to rebuild relationships I'd broken. So those three things were weighing heavy on my heart, on my mind. And when I would go to therapy, I just couldn't be honest with what was going on in my life. I didn't know the guy, you know, I didn't know him from Adam to be completely honest. And I was like, I just couldn't be completely honest with the stuff going on in my life. And so I'd sit there for an hour every Sunday and just lie my ass off. I mean, you know, how, how is it today? Oh yeah, I'm great. Well, no, I felt like shit today. I just didn't tell them that. And, you know, they told me, maybe you should get on some antidepressants, all that. You know, I just didn't want to because I didn't want the antidepressants to make me drowsy for football and all that. So it was just a lot of things pulling me in different directions. And so I made the decision that therapy didn't help. You know, I just told myself, you know, oh, I'm good. I, you know, convinced people around me that I was feeling better and that I wasn't feeling depressed anymore. 
And so I stopped going to therapy and I picked up the bottle, you know, started drinking as much as I could. And it was just a way for me to numb the pain. And so it really started to heighten towards the end of spring of that 2020 and then got really bad during last season, last football season. And uh, one of the things that is hard is that, you know, when you numb the pain, it's only for a certain amount of time. And so I would feel terrible all day, get home from football and drink as much as I can just to make myself either pass out or not feel the pain that I had been feeling. And, you know, I'll tell you that, that, that four hours of, uh, of being drunk though, you don't feel anything. That, that was what I chased. I chased that buzz and that feeling of losing the depression that I had at the time. And then I'd wake up the next day not feeling great. And so it finally took me a while. I told myself after football season, you know, drinking every day during football, blacking out before games, Friday night before games, and then still playing well. It tricked me into thinking that, oh, you know, I was 13 all conference this last season, first team all conference in spring. And so, you know, I've been all conference three different times, and two of them were when I was drinking quite a bit. My best season was technically when I was drinking, and my I had a pretty good season last year, and I was drinking every day. And so I was convinced that alcohol was not the issue and that it was something else. And I told myself after this last football season I was going to quit drinking during winter break. Well, that didn't happen. I found every excuse in the book to continue to drink. And, you know, it took me a, you know, an altercation with my dad to finally be like, I have a problem. I finally admitted it and uh, started getting help and treatment, uh, you know, during the month of January. And, you know, now it's almost August and, you know, things aren't perfect, but I have found cutting something that holds me back in life out. Alcohol is a depressant. It's something that holds you back from reaching your full potential. I, you know, I cut it out and I'm rebuilding relationships with people I love the most. I'm seeing football from a different point of view. I'm seeing my relationships with my teammates, with my parents, with my siblings, uh, all differently. Things aren't perfect. I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't have depression anymore, but I don't have things that make it worse, which is uh, a blessing. So that's kind of my, you know, my pitch, my, my story a little bit. And, you know, yeah, appreciate it. No, that's really cool. Yeah, I didn't expect you just to – you went in. That was good. That was really good. Um so what, what out of that altercation with your dad, what was the biggest thing? Like what really struck a chord with you to finally look at the truth and, and acknowledge it? Well, I was, I was blacked out drunk at the time, so I don't really remember the altercation, but he woke me up the next morning and he told me that I was like, you know, cussing him out, trying to fight him, telling him that I was a drunk, that I had issues, I was an alcoholic and all this stuff and I needed help. And honestly... Like, I was embarrassed about it, but if I didn't get to that point where I got so messed up that I could just tell him everything, I probably wouldn't be getting the help I need now. So, in hindsight, I'm really thankful for that day, but it was still, you know, embarrassing that I, you know, acted the way I did towards my parents, the people that raised me, the people that fed me, people that put food on my back for 22 years, like, you know, food on the table, clothes on my back for 22 years. It was just, it's a hard pill to swallow knowing that, you know, their son is treating them that way. So at the end of the day, the altercation I probably won't go deep into, but it was uh, one that, you know, probably saved my life. So, yeah. That's really cool. I think that's kind of the common theme of your story is um, using these quote unquote failures 
uh, for the better, really for them being your best thing. And, um, you know, off of that, we've talked about it before, and I think it'd be good for people to hear, you know, that 2018 season, you know, you're balling out, you're sacking Gardner Minshew. How was that, by the way? That was pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. I can't remember it now, but, you know, every once in a while I'll see a picture or a video of it that my dad reposts, you know, once a month, I feel like. So <laughs> it was a pretty awesome part of my career for sure. Yeah, but, um, you know, you, you had that high, and then 2019, yeah, you, you go through, through a, you know, a tough season really challenging you and, like, challenging the identity which you had in football, right? Um, and my question is, like, how – you know, looking back now, like, do you see that as this kind of a blessing too, just like the altercation with your dad, you know, and like navigating, you know, we talk about it all the time. Now you play more from a place of love and like, you're just not caring, you're just having fun, right? And taking that stress off yourself. You, would you say the same thing about that experience? Yeah, I mean, I think it took me a long time to realize that the more you, like, the more I chase stats, the more I chase accolades, the more I chase being the best player rather than being the best teammate in person in the locker room, I'm not going to get the results I want if I'm chasing one thing. You know, I it's interesting. I went to AA today, and they talked about the triangle. And let's say it's you want to be the best player you can be, you want to be the best teammate you can be, and you want to be the best friend you can be. And they're all in a triangle. Top point is being the best player. The two bottom ones are being the best teammate, best leader slash you know teammate, and then the best uh, person you can be. The, the way to get the results of being the best player is focusing on the two things below it. If I can become a better player and a better teammate and a better person, honestly, the results of me becoming a better player will naturally come. But if I'm just chasing being a better player, the two below it, part of the, you know, the main part of the triangle of being a better player, a better teammate, or being a better leader, better uh, teammate, and a better person, the results of those are not going to come. And me chasing one thing, just one thing, oh, stats and accolades and all conferences and being in the newspaper, all that kind of stuff isn't going to come as naturally because that's the only thing I'm focusing on. So, No, I like that. That's cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to hear, because you, you were around some dudes, you know, and we've talked about it before. You grew up with a bunch of, up around a bunch of guys that went D1 or um, Elijah Molden in the, in the NFL with the Titans. And tell me a little bit in the, the audience about, you know, Shark Tank and kind of like the mentality behind that. Yeah, so I got a good buddy uh, named Alex Forsyth. He starts at center for uh, Oregon. And, you know, he's the type of guy, he won't say it, but I think he's going to be, you know, first, second, third draft pick this year. Stud. And when COVID hit, it was uh, me, Alex Forsyth, uh, my buddy Elijah, who played for UW and now for the Titans, and then uh, um, Jake Porter, who plays D-end at Portland State as well. And we're all from the same high school, all in the same neighborhood. And when COVID hit, we had nowhere to work out. We're like, all right, well, we got to build a gym. Like, we can't just get lazy. And this is an opportunity where we have nothing. Like, school was online. We, we have the opportunity to grind as much as we want during the day. So we built a gym in Alex's house in his garage, and we started uh, just working out there every morning at 5 a.m. Close the garage, turn on two heaters, and just try to grind for two to three hours at a time. And we're like, all right, we got to find a name for this. we got to find a mentality that we can talk about, like, from years to come. And uh, Elijah's dad has a podcast called The Shark, uh, the Shark Attack, or The Shark Effect, sorry, where it's about the shark mentality. And... I really liked the idea of like being a shark 
and just the idea of how they're not scared of anybody. They'll come and eat you if they want to. And so we called that garage the Shark Tank. And, you know, we we had a, we have a group chat called the Shark Tank. And it's all about just the mentality of attacking every single day as an opportunity rather than having to. And, you know, we wake up five to, you know, five to six times a week during COVID, you know, that main stretch when everybody's home at 5 a.m. and all meet at the Shark Tank. And we would just get after it. And it was probably the best workouts and the best like growing I had uh in a short period of time so um for me it was a a blessing just because I was able to be around people that are also playing football division one football you know Elijah plays in the NFL now for the Titans and um he he knows how to work hard Alex Forsyth is probably the hardest working person I've been around and he just attacks everything differently. And Jake Porter, he's also a Division One, you know, defensive end, same position, and one of my best friends. And we're we heckle each other too. You know, if you if you're five minutes late, you hear it from the group. And if you're not on time, if you're not coming with good energy, like we try to kick you out of the Shark Tank. And uh, so yeah, it was a you know that's kind of the Shark Tank. <laughs> I've told Nolan about it quite a bit, but it's a we still have it in Westland, Oregon. And we try to get workouts in during winter break, the shark tank and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's just more having a shark mentality and, you know, not being lazy, working hard, waking up early. You know, we thought, oh, is this the breakfast club? No, this isn't the breakfast club. This is the shark tank. This is different. Sharks don't sleep. They eat at all times. So that was kind of the mindset behind it. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little shot at the breakfast club there. I like it. Um <laughs> Oh, that's that's really awesome. I think it's really cool, especially just what I've talked about so far. It's funny. A lot of these things are coming up, you know, like I talked about associate associations and the five people you're around the most. You had a really good uh, group there in high school and um, like finding your identity and stuff, like you said, through through something other than football. And I, I got a question for you. When you think of success or successful, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? Uh, probably my dad. And just from a standpoint of my, my viewpoint of success might be different than others. Success to me is not always happiness or loving something that you're doing. Success to me is getting the most out of where you're at. Like my, for instance, my dad sells insurance and he owns his own business. And I don't put a dollar amount on the success that he makes, blah, 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 the money or whatever. But his goal in life was to take care of his family, work as hard as he possibly can to put food on food on the table, clothes on our back, and allow his kids to never struggle and his wife to have an amazing life. To him, he succeeded in that part. Could he always make more money? Could he always expand his company? Yes. But his main goal was to take care of his family and be the father and the leader of our household. And he did an amazing job. So when I think of success, I think of my dad because to me, he's the best dad on the planet. And he's loving and he works his ass off so that we were blessed to, you know, being raised. And, uh, another person I think about is, you know, even you, I think you're successful and I don't know if you hear it enough because I think success, you might be breaking down as, okay, I'm young at Eastern Washington. I'm a wide receiver. I haven't had a lot of opportunity to show and success and be successful necessarily on the field, but you work harder than everybody else. You do well in the classroom. You're growing as a human being and you're, to me, outside looking in, you're succeeding in five main points of life. And so for me, I'm proud of you because I think you have came a long way. And I do think success can be measured at any, on any scale. A lot of times success to people are, is uh, money, but 
money doesn't always make you happy. For me and for you, probably working hard and grinding makes me happy. It makes you happy. So success is what you define as success. And if your definition of success, if you're not meeting it, then I don't think you're succeeding. But it doesn't always have to be a dollar amount or material or cars or, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I really appreciate the kind words. Um, I, I agree. I think that's really cool about your dad. And um, I, I think it's all about our intentions, like you're saying, right? And your intention is to get better. And now I think, you know, you had your struggles and we've talked about how you weren't the best around the guys. But now I think, you know, you're really starting to, to try to use your story to help others. And, you, you know, it really feels like you genuinely care about the guys. So I think that's really cool. I got another really important question. One that I've always kind of wanted to ask you, why do you wake up every morning or what drives you? And like, especially why do the shark tank and wake up, you know, like all these crazy things that you do, like why go so hard in the weight room? Why did, why open up and be so vulnerable? Like, and that's a very loaded question, but. So you yeah, had to break it down. You, you mentioned the shark tank. Why did I wake up? You know, you know, it's almost two and a half years ago, three years ago, the shark tank was more positive peer pressure. And it was, I played Eastern Washington at FCS school, and I have two friends who play in the Pac-12 who were studs. One is one of the best centers in America, and one was one of the best DBs in America when he was at UW. And the positive peer pressure was, they're at bigger schools, I can't let them outwork me. That's what motivated me at the time, was the fact that I didn't want them to get an extra workout in that I didn't get. <laughs> so I was like, well, shit, I ain't going to not show up. Like, yeah. I'm in a smaller school. I'm on a smaller uh, stage. I got to work as hard, if not harder, to level the playing field. And then, uh, sorry, what, what you talked about, uh, being vulnerable. Yeah. For me, it took a long time to be vulnerable. Um, I think vulnerability is oftentimes uh, intertwined with weakness to people. And I think when you're vulnerable, people assume that's weakness. But for me, I think being vulnerable, admitting that I needed help was one of the strongest things I've done in my 23 years of life. I think finally admitting that I needed help and that I couldn't attack things on my own anymore allowed me to grow the most. And for me, it's like being a captain now. I just want to touch as many people as I can. I don't want to leave here knowing that there's people that are having the same struggles that I have. And yeah, it'd be easy if no one else did, then I would probably wouldn't have to be as vulnerable. But the world we live in, you know, 18 to 25-year-old males have the highest rate of depression, highest rate of, you know, different issues, anxiety, stress, and all that. You know, those are things that I'm very familiar with. And so I'd rather be someone who is asking the tough questions, being more vulnerable, telling people my story so that they can feel related to. Yeah, maybe they don't say, oh, I'm struggling with the same thing. Maybe they say they're not struggling with it at all, but they might walk away from there and be like, shit. Mitch just mentioned five different things that I struggle with too. It's really nice to hear that someone else is going through it. And if I need him, I'm like, he'll be there, yeah. you know? So that was my main reason for being vulnerable. I don't want anybody to leave here with the same struggles I have, you know? So if I can help anybody in any way with my story and the life lessons I've learned, then I'm willing to do that. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. I think even you just touching on that quickly there, like, the stuff you went through and like, like I said, the quote unquote failure, you know, um, whatever failure means to, to the individual, um, it really is your gift to share and stuff. And I think it's, I think it is probably the, the most impactful thing. And to me, Mitch, like we've talked about this, like 
you know, we the trophy cases, that stuff's going to go away. But the, like, even if you were, say you, you did everything you wanted to do and it went perfectly, like first team All-American, all this stuff, and you're, whatever, drafted into the NFL now, but you never opened up and, like, you never gave that person that really needed help, you know, maybe helped a guy from not quitting or, I don't know, being a better um, family man, like you've talked about, you know, that being a very big um, point of your success to yourself. Um, when you talk about, because, you know, you're the moment where you change, right? You reach that threshold, like, enough is enough. I'm not going to cause anyone more pain, you know, all like that. And that's, that's when people change, right? It's either inspiration or that emotional threshold. What advice would you give to people to getting to that as soon as possible or looking truth in the eyes as soon as possible? I think you have to understand that judgment is going to be natural. I think what stops us from being vulnerable and being open about things is uh, outside judgment. Like if I was scared about, you know, the people that are going to listen to this podcast, what they think of me after me telling my story, I wouldn't do it. But for me, it's like I've, I've came to accept my life the things that have happened and for me I can't care what other people think for me I just gotta wake up every day and try to be the best version of myself and in part of that it takes vulnerability and part of that it takes me being open me being honest me being uh, as loving as I can to the people around me and I can't be I can't be all that if I'm just holding back everything if I'm you know just stuffing things lower and lower and just not you know allowing things to be out there so for me, my advice is being more vulnerable. Like, yes, you got to find a group of people to do it with. I spoke in front of, a, you know, 100 people in our team and told my story. Yeah. That was hard, but it was needed. You got you can start with a smaller group. I'm not saying go scream it from the top of, you know, the roof in Spokane, but, you know, your roommates, your best friends, your parents, you got to be able to be vulnerable with them because vulnerability is part of the healing process. If you're scared of the judgment of other people, then you're never going to be completely vulnerable with your life and I'm not saying you got to be open about everything there's certain things I won't speak on and that's but I'm going to be vulnerable about things that I know people can relate to things that it might benefit others and so it's selfish not to be vulnerable sometimes I think it would have been selfish of me not to tell my story knowing that there's other people struggling you know I want to be as relatable to others and as helpful to others as I can be and that meant that I had to be vulnerable if that makes sense so no, that's awesome that is awesome um when when we talk about you know in high school because i saw you i didn't even know that you played lacrosse you're a really good lacrosse player too um you know when you were when you were younger what was there or even now what what was like was there like a quote or some sort of thing that was constantly ringing in your mind that you kind of live by or like a like a credence or something like that Honestly, it was just a lot of doubt from others. You know, I was kind of a late bloomer. Uh, there wasn't anything like a quote that I lived by, but I felt like the more hate I got, the better I got. The more people doubted me, the more I succeeded. Like, I had coaches in high school that told me I was never going to play Division One football. I mean, I didn't start in high school until my senior year. And, you know, people told me I was never going to play at, at a Division One school. And if I did, I was never going to see the field and all that. And... You know, my girlfriend, she was a gymnastics and cheer uh, girl, and she was buff and stuff and, like, really good shape. And I used to get made fun of for being smaller than her in high school. You used to get made fun of for your girlfriend being bigger than you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was 5'8", my freshman year, scrawny, 130 pounds, and 
just didn't have any muscle on me. And I just started working out like crazy. And I played lacrosse growing up, so like, and football. But I was always probably better at lacrosse than I was football. And I had a coach in lacrosse that, you know, when I, you know, told me I could play Division One lacrosse, you know, I, you know, I was kind of, I was getting a lot of notice for some pretty big schools for mm-hmm. a little bit. And, you know, I was traveling across the country and I was, you know, succeeding in that, in lacrosse. And once I realized that, like, I loved working out, absolutely loved it. I mean, I'm a meathead. I like to lift more than I like to do anything else. Like, lifting to me is, like, therapeutic. I just love the weight room. I love benching, squatting as much weight as I possibly can. Definition of meathead. I love it. And I realize that in lacrosse, you can't really do that. The bigger you get, the slower you get, probably not, the you know, great for the team. Probably not going to be as successful. So once I started getting bigger, I started getting better at football, obviously. And so my junior year, I played a little bit in high school. And I was still, you know, better at lacrosse, succeeding in lacrosse and getting, you know, uh, recognized by others like you know big colleges and stuff and my coach my lacrosse coach was like oh yeah you got a chance like just focus on lacrosse stop doing football and I was like once my senior year hit you know I got offered by uh, a big sky school and I just told my coach my lacrosse coach I don't want to play like I, I want to play college football he's like oh that's a terrible decision you're never going to be good enough to play at you know a division one school you're, you're probably not going to last so when you quit after your first year let me know and I'll try to get you back in touch with those lacrosse teams. So that was always motivating to me and something, you know, I don't think about a lot anymore, but I remember my first two years, it's like, you know, being scout team player of the year, my retro year or whatever, that was, you know, I succeeded in that standpoint and that was cool. And I got recognized by the team and I remember thinking about him when I did that. And then when I got second team all conference and, you know, freshman all American as a freshman, I was like, Oh, maybe I'm not as bad as that guy thinks. I hope he sees <laughs> this, you know, that, that was always motivating to me, but Honestly, motivation for me is, like, it's a day-by-day kind of thing. For me, it's just a habit. Like, motivation isn't something that I – I don't have to be motivated to do things anymore, which is nice. Mm. For me, I've just built habits and working out and working hard and uh, grinding is just part of my habits and part of my daily routine, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah, I had no idea about that. That is – that's really cool because I had the same experience. I don't know if I've told you this, but I used to get called like baby gap and stuff. Like I was the smallest guy on the team and yeah, same with you. That's why we really do. We're on the same page with just loving the weight room and stuff. And for different reasons, you know, like you just like getting big. I mean, I wish I could get big, but. Well, people who are listening, Nolan is big. He's ripped six pack veins everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not big like Mitch though. Mitch has got that lat spread future bodybuilder. Um, that's really cool though. What, um, and I think this is good cause we have, there's a lot of, a lot of high school kids listening that, you know, are trying to go play next level or even just, just trying to be better. Um, kind of catering to, towards them. What were some of the resources that other than the people, great people you had around you, what were some of the resources that helped you and how did you push through those people doubting you? And, and, um, obviously you said you used it as fuel, but is there anything else you could give them? Because I feel like especially if there's kids from Canada listening, right? There's a lot of people that are thinking it can't happen, right? Yeah. So what do you have to say to them? So the first thing I think about when I think about my high school experience is you have to absolutely surround yourself around people that have the same goals and the same dreams as you do. In high school, you can be, you can have a group of friends from middle school up. You know, if you're a popular kid, you've got 25 friends, right? Mm-hmm. And there's two different groups. There's the kids that don't really care. They play sports. They're decent, blah, blah. And then there's kids that want to go play. And they want to go play at the next level, and they want to be this, that, or the other. 
um, I had to cut a lot of people out of my life. You know, I could hang out with a lot less people in high school. I had to figure out what people in my life were going to positively influence me into chasing my dreams. Because, I, you know, I, I talked to a coach the other day about this. Like, it's easier to do the wrong thing than it is the right thing. And when you hang around people that are doing the wrong thing, it's, it's, easily, it's easy to gravitate towards them. But waking up early, working hard is extremely difficult to do on your own. Like, you have to make that a habit. But if you surround yourself around people at high school, like, you know, talking about the kids from Canada, who it is difficult for a person from Canada to come play at an American school. And, but it makes it easier if you're around three to five people that are chasing the same dream and that you can work hard with. And those people are naturally motivate you. So similar to the Shark Tank, as I said, like you, just be around people that are going to positively influence you into having your goals and your dreams be succeeded. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Like like we've talked about this whole time, that I think that's really true, having those people. And like I said in my episode, too, if you can't find three to five people, maybe it's like you you spend more time listening to like these podcasts I'm going to put out with people like Mitch that – you know, are doing what you guys want to do um, and just making it happen. But now you're through all this stuff or you're, you're still working through it, right? But you're at, a, you're at a better place now, right? And you're, you're doing the work and you're trying to become a lot better. What is your mindset towards, and like I keep saying, quote unquote failure, because right, it's, it's different for everybody. What's your mindset when, um, you know, you mess up on the field, you don't get something that obviously you wanted to get, you know, or maybe, maybe you've completely let go of those expectations. I don't know. But so first I'll kind of define what I believe failure is. Failure to me is making a mistake, but not learning from it, making a mistake 20, 30, hundred times the rest of your life. I mean, that is failing in something, but failing is not missing a tackle or missing a catch or, you know, jumping off sides, like from a football standpoint, yeah. that is, in reality, that's not failing. But if, Nolan, if you drop 20 balls in one game, people you would probably think that you failed, right? If you drop one ball in one game, but then you catch the rest, you learn from it, you hit the jugs the next day, like that, that is not a failure. That is you learning from a mistake or, you know, an event that did not go your way. Yeah. So I still have the mindset of, you know, failure. Like, you know, I don't want to fail, but... For me, failure is as long as I'm learning from the mistakes I made. Like this whole past two years of struggling, I don't look at that as a failure. I look at it as I have grown so much from it. I I felt like I finally became a grown man at 23. You know, I used to say at 18, I'm a grown man to my parents. Like, I'm a grown man. At 20 years old, I'm a grown man. No, I was still a kid. But I failed enough and I learned from it enough that I finally became the person that I'm like happy with. And it was from those failures. And it's the same thing with football and life or business. You go to a job, you mess up on work. Like, yeah, you might, like there's a chance that you could get fired. You know, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to sit there and be like, oh, I failed. I'm done. I'm screwed. Or are you going to wake up the next day and be like, shit, I got to get a new job. Like that's, failing is not being fired. It's not losing a job. It's not dropping a ball. It's not missing a tackle. The failure behind it is the mindset that comes after that said failure. And that's, what hinders people from growing into the, you know, the best possible version of themselves is that people believe that failure is one mistake. Failure is not one mistake. It's not learning from it, yeah. in my opinion. So, No, that's powerful. Powerful. Um, you know, I said what resources helped you. We talked about who has helped you. Um, and we've already talked about a lot of the stuff you've used. Um, 
I think the common theme is like, you know, these things that, you know, you could take and disempowering meaning from, right? The people hating on you, the, you know, the alcohol addiction, whatever the, the bad year in 2019, and you're, you're using them for yourself, which I think is awesome. Uh, if it, and this is this is going to be a little deep question, but say there there was, you couldn't none of your accolades, everything you you had done in life, you couldn't you couldn't leave behind, but you could leave three things to your kids, three, I don't know, uh, rules, quotes, ideas for them to guide them in in their life. What would those three things be? So the first thing I think about is a little cliche, but working hard does beat talent. I mean, at the end of the day, people are going to doubt you your athleticism. They're going to doubt your size. They're going to doubt your frame. They're going to doubt every – people just want to doubt people. I mean, that's the reality. Like, especially jealous people. They just want to doubt what you have. And the thing I would tell my kids when I become a father is if you work harder than everybody else, life will come. Your 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 dreams will – you'll start to see them You get closer, and your goals will continue to get closer. But for those that don't work hard – like you can like yeah they might be talented but how long does that last like how long like it doesn't last in the real world they don't people in the real world do not care about first team all conference how many catches you had where you played division 1 football if you're being outworked by coworkers by everybody else around you you're not going to be you're not going to be successful and that's the reality of it um another thing that i would probably say is to my kids would be to be vulnerable like i said vulnerability is but not to everybody you know Trust the people around you. Uh, trust blindly at times. You know, people, especially older people and people that have been through a lot, they know a lot about different experiences and they can guide you. So learn from people above you. Uh, take everything. Be a sponge. I mean, learn as much as you can about life, not just football. I mean, outside of football. Learn about life. Learn what it takes to be successful. To learn what it takes to be a good man, a good husband, a good father, a good brother, a good teammate. I mean, that's all things that you learn. It's not, you know, you're not born a good brother, but you learn it and you learn what it takes and you're either taught it or you're not. And then probably the last thing I'd say is that life is going to hit you. It is. I mean, I've been hit by life and I could have decided to, you know, crawl up into a little ball and take it and be a bum the rest of my life. I mean, that's reality. I could have, I could have fallen into way worse situations, you know, alcohol could have led me to a lot of bad paths if I continue to do it. Life is going to smack you in the face. It's going to punch you in the nose. It's going to snatch your soul, your snatch your soul at times, but you got to overcome it. And you got to find people around you that are going to help you overcome it. You can the the idea of doing everything by yourself is not realistic. I mean, that's why people get married. That's why people have kids. That's why people have family. So that when shit does hit the fan, you have people to lean on. Find people around you that you can lean on the most when you're in the darkest times. And that was something that I struggled with. I, I had people like that, people that I loved dearly, that I didn't lean on enough. And it led to too long of a period of me struggling. And so, you know, I would tell my kids those, th- you know, those three things. Outwork everybody. Trust people above you and be vulnerable with the ones that you love. And lean on the ones you love. Uh, so, yeah. That's a really good answer. I like that. You talked a little bit about the triangle here. Just a couple more questions. You talked a little bit about the triangle in AA. What what, what were some other things that have been some of the biggest takeaways? I feel like a group like that is such a powerful um, thing that, you know, a lot of people don't ever tap in with because 
A, they're too scared to if they have those issues or they just don't have those issues, right? But um, what, what are some of the things you've learned from um, other people or just about yourself other than just the, the triangle thing? So people usually, when you think of AA, you think of people that are in or out of jail, people that are homeless. Like, there is really bad, you know, natural thoughts about what type of people are in AA. What I, I mean, even myself, when I, before I even went to my first meeting, I was like, God, like, it's going to be like people I cannot relate with at all. Like, I'm in a different category. I get there in one way or another. It could be a group of three people. It could be a group of 50 people. When people speak about their life, I can relate to almost everything that people are saying because I have had the same struggles. And one of the things that uh, I learned about was uh, you're born with birth defects and not physical, but mental. And for me, I got a quick trigger. I get angry easily. I get stressed out easily. And for me, alcohol uh, was a way that I kind of, you know, numbed it or... uh, it magnified it. It made it worse. And so in a, I'm just learning as much as I can about how to deal with situations that trigger me to drink. And for you, you might not, you know, you're, uh, people that are listening might not struggle with alcohol or addiction, but there are things in their life that hinder their mindsets. Mm -hmm. And it's usually their birth defects, their mental birth defects and the things that hold them back between the ears rather than physical. And the mind is extremely powerful. The, the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of yourself, the better you can take on situations, issues, uh, the better you can be successful and all that, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. Okay, last question. What does making it happen mean to you? I think making it happen is just getting rid of all excuses. I mean, there are so many different excuses that you can make every single day to not make it happen. Making it happen to me, like when I, when I thought about you bringing this up, was just doing what you got to do. Like men, to me, I believe in gender roles. I'm sorry if people are listening. I do. For me, a man should work hard, protect his family, and love the people that are closest to him. That, for me, that's making it happen. And whether you want to work, you might not want to wake up one morning and work out, but you got to make it happen. It's part of what your DNA you got to love others. Some things in life might come up and you're like pissed off at people, but you got to choose to love people over not. And then third, protecting your family. When I'm a father, I'm going to be protective as hell. Stay away from my family. <laughs> but, you know, being a father is stressful. I've heard, you know, I don't know. But um, making it happen to me is doing things that are not the easy things to do, if that makes sense, but yeah. that you are required to do on a daily basis to be the best man, the best version of yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. There was Mitch Johnson, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Please continue to rate, review. Please share this with anyone that you think would gain value from it. And remember that everything he's saying just applies to life. It isn't um, just a sport because sport really is just a metaphor for life. So I hope you guys gain something from this. Thank you guys so much again and make it happen out.